The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome into episode nine of season two of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factor Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This week's guest is my good friend, Keo Stroud. Keo Stroud has been uh, one of the first call guys down in Nashville for a number of years. He's been touring with Big and Rich for going on, I mean, eight or so years at this point. Uh, and he's also well known as being the guy that you call when you need a last minute sub and not just a last minute sub for your club gig down at the local bar, but a last minute sub for an arena show. And last time I saw him at, uh, we were at PASIC, he was there just hanging out for the day. He was just, you know, had got called a few days before to fill in that following weekend. I think it was 20 songs and a couple of dates of an arena tour. So that was pretty crazy. So I pick his brain at the end of the episode about that whole process. And then we just talk gear, home studio gear, live gear, you know, typical rundown. So let's get to it. Keo Stroud. I, I, I appreciate people for having their strong opinions, but at some point in time, I just don't care. <laughs> right. Has that been the key to your success? We are recording, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it is. I, true story. Yes, it is key to my success. I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you, be, you, you do. What you do you want. not care? What do you care about? What do you not care about? Let's be a little bit more specific. <laughs> are you nice? Is your money real? Mm. Are your songs decent? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but no, people get, you know, some people get a little too, I mean, I'm happy for people to do what they do, but that's just not my thing. So, so it is, is this the end of touring season for you down there? How does it, how does it wrap yeah. up? So are you home now? I'm home. I have one, I have two more shows. I have this weekend uh, with Charles Eston at the Birchmere in uh baltimore or or annapolis i think that's mm-hmm. where it is and then i have uh big and rich and journey at the fit and cargo did you say and with journey yeah interesting very interesting so yeah that's uh that's next week so and then yeah then it's then i'm done i'm home um watching tv cleaning Mm. <laughs> when's it kick back in i don't know i saw shows for us starting in january it's like one in january one in february and then they're on but uh i got called about something yesterday that might be like three or four shows in january also so who knows i'm just kind of we're still kind of that weird spot where not everything is it's really funny it's not that not everything is back to normal. Not everybody is willing to invest money in something that could possibly be taken away. Mm-hmm. And that's where promoters are right now. Well, I, say, not, I can't speak for all promoters, but a lot of the, you know, uh, your non live nation, your non corporate promoters. I think a lot of them are kind of like, okay, well, do we, you know, can we book stuff? Should we book stuff? 
I don't know, could go away again. Mm-hmm. You know, depends on who you listen to. You know, could we don't know. So yeah, I, feel I, like, I bet there's a lot of those deposits are probably non-refundable, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that is a huge investment to get a band book. Yeah. Through. Well, it's that. And then also, like, you know, a lot of times uh, if something gets canceled like that, they'll reschedule it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if your business goes out, you lose, you know, then you've lost your money. So, yeah, then there's that. There's no way to make the money back unless you have insurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I forget well, I forget how that – that's like a promoter insurance. It's all these like, – I, like, it's so funny. I've learned all these – things other than drumming uh from being a drummer you know like this thing called a business right uh, <laughs> how does that impact you are you like guaranteed part of your your fee i mean how does that work or you just get screwed and i mean typically you just get screwed yeah i mean mm. uh and it's you know it, it also depends on like how what's your situation with who you work with so mm. like some people are salaried so it doesn't matter mm-hmm uh, some people are show pay and it matters because if you don't play the show, you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've heard situations where people are nice enough where if a show is happening and it gets canceled last minute, they'll still pay you mm-hmm. uh, because you did book the day, did book you for the day, blah, 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 which I think is the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not on salary. So, yeah. And I've never really asked anyone about the business side of it on this, on this show. Like, do you plan for December to be not working so much or do you try to fill oh, your calendar up? I, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I was younger, I was like, let's fill the calendar up. But now that I'm a little older, I'm just like, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it's nice to take a break. It's nice to, so you just set aside some money, you know, it'll cover you through the year. Yeah. You know, I, I my, my goal always is to have, Anywhere from six to nine months worth of money. Oh, okay. Saved up. Um, so that way you can live a little free and, and just say it's magically your gig, your consistent gig goes away. You, you know, you don't have to freak out about money like the next week. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be like, okay, well, I got this month covered. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or I have the next, or, you know, and you know, and no one wants to be not, you know, I feel like if you're a musician, you're not. and you love what you do and if you can you're not going to be out of work for six months Mm. but you know it it might take you a month of recover from some you know from something like say you know man my my boss died and now i don't have a job and i'm emotionally distraught for a while well you may need two months to to deal with that Mm -hmm. and it's nice i'd be financially stable to deal with that um or it could be a thing of i hurt myself you know, and mm. they, I can't work. So I have a little bit of money, but the idea of, you know, the idea of being let go from a gig and all of a sudden not being able to get a new gig for six months is kind of crazy. Mm. But, but the one, the one time it really helped was during the pandemic where, uh, you know, when money went away and it was like, Oh, I, I, I have, I have some money. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it wasn't like going to Sizzler or anything like that. (laughs) They were closed, but. (laughs) What did you do? Did you end up getting some non-music gigs? I mean, how did you get through it? Man, well, that six months worth of money was actually more like a year and a half. Mm. So 
Um, and then we were lucky enough where we got paid through most of it uh, because no one knew what was going to happen. Cause it was like, Oh, maybe by summer we'll be able to tour. And so, and big and rich world, those guys were like, well, if it happens to happen that way, we want to have the same guys, you know, come back out on the road with this. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, cause there was like, well, we don't know if we can rehearse. We don't know what the climate's going to be like. So if we can play shows, just have the same guys do it. And the best way to have the same guys do it is to keep paying them. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. And, and we had one show pop up and we did it. Like I was like in August or, or something like that. They called her like, Hey guys. So we got this gig <laughs> and, and, and it was like a group thing and everybody's like, okay, cool. It could go away, but we got this one thing. We're like, mm-hmm. all right. And uh true story, we we did it. And then the next day they were like, Okay, we're not gonna book any more shows. You're off salary. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> but yeah, not worth it. <laughs> but it was fine. It was it was cool. But yeah, so man, it was I mean that you was got half the year. I mean that's good. Yeah, and then you know, and it's it was cool. And it's like and it wasn't like I was blowing money. It wasn't like I was going to the bar and spending money so Mm -hmm. or you know i did buy some drums which is probably not the smartest thing in the world but but i did i mean what else are they gonna do like i mean that's business is booming right now for that because everyone's (laughs) stuck at home (laughs) yeah i mean i was like i bought some i bought some like kind of fixer upper drums because i was i needed like i'm I'm not the kind of person where i need a project all the time i need to be doing something Mm mm-hmm and so I was on Facebook Marketplace, which I think is really weird, by the way. Um, but I was on there and I put in Pearl drums and this guy had this drum set and it was like, it was a black kit with black hardware scratched to un- like, just unbelievable. Like, oh my God. It's like, so it took like a carving knife and just like went to work on it. <laughs> and he was like, $150. And I was like, well, are you willing to ship? <laughs> because, yeah, I said, okay, so I'll buy the toms. The bass drum is trash, so just give me the hardware, and I'll give you 150 bucks. And he goes, you don't want the bass drum? I go, nope, just, just take the hardware off. And the guy was really funny. He said, well, man, like, uh, that's a lot of effort to take the hardware off. <laughs> I said, well, I'll give you an extra $25 if you take the hardcore off. <laughs> <laughs> what were the drums? Exports or something? No, they were uh, Pearl Masters Extra. That was their six-ply uh, maple kits that came out in the 90s. Yeah, I remember those. Those were good. Those were nice. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, so, I mean, I got a great deal on it, but it was really funny. The guy was like, man, uh, <laughs> don't let me get my drill out oh <laughs> uh, man that's gonna be uh, I was like uh, I'll give you 25 more bucks man <laughs> so and what did you do with all that stuff so I got it home I cleaned it up I, I don't know where they are they, they were here um, but <laughs> they were in my house so not, uh, but I did I got I got them and uh, I just some research on how to like bring them back to life and I spent about three weeks doing it uh, they still look like shit um, but um, <laughs> but, <it's good. laughs> but they sound great. Mm. 
they sound amazing. So it's 14, 16, 24. And the 24 I found uh, in Nashville. So um, so I was able to get the black hardware that the guy took off, put it on there. And so I have like this black on black kit. Mm. And it looks really, really cool. Um, and then my buddy Lester Estelle came over and he put the kick drum. And so he bought it. So he bought the kick drum. So I, and now I just have the 14, 16. What? Why did he want the kick drum? He's, it sounded great. It was amazing. He was <laughs> like, bro, this, he was, literally, he was like, bro, I'm, I'm going to get that from you. I'm, I'm going to take that. I was like, just give you an extra 150 bucks and take it all. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I said, you want the time? He was, nah, man, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need any more toms. Like, so now right. you got these weird toms. What are you going to do with them? I don't know. I put them up on uh, on Facebook. I was like, hey, somebody buy these. They sound great. And no, so far, nothing. So, you know. How many know. drums do you keep at home? First of all, are you in, what kind of a space are you in? A house, an apartment, a condo? What do you got there? So I have what we call a apartment condo. But yeah, it's a, technically it's an apartment. Uh, I only share uh, a wall with one person. Mm-hmm. Actually, this one behind me. And we only share three feet of a wall. Interesting. That's How'd that it. work. Um, I am. The, I'm. I'm. So I have a different foundation from them, um, and then uh, the I'm up higher also. So I'm like up on a hill kind of thing, and then they they're like kind of they're not below me. Well, they're, well, they're below me, but they're, but they're next to me. So it's kind of a strange like. Hmm. So if I'm here, this is my place. This is the top of their place. And that's it. Um, and I can play drums in here. No kidding. So they're is, only sharing that wall behind you, like the couch level. Like that's, that's it. Yeah. Nice. That's so where it. do you put the drums opposite side of the place? Yep. They're on the other side, near the bedroom. And, uh, you can't hear the drums next door. That's we did insane. a, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We did a, we did a test. It's it's freaky. Like my <laughs> like, but when when there was I, when this place was vacant, I had the the, uh, the landlord come over, and I played drums, and then he listened, and then he played drums, and I listened, and we were like, "Whoa, this is crazy." So yeah, did you treat the room in any way? I did, but not not. I mean, I did only with putting in curtains and putting up a couple of like panels. Mm-hmm. But as far as like soundproofing, no. So it's kind of a, a freaky. It's a freaky deal. So I'm I'm happy. It's a happy accident. Yeah. Uh, because I at one point in time I did build a like a little ISO box deal, mm-hmm. uh, which I loved because I was because the room was very. I mean, it's a small room. And then, you know, we had live walls and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do, all this stuff. And so I was like, well, I, c- I think I want to control the sound. So I wanted to build a, a, like a top, like a roof. But in order to do that, I had to build sides. Mm-hmm. So when I did all of that, I just built, you know, stuff for all of it and then really tightened up. But then it was so small that it was like uninspiring to be inside of it. Mm. I was like, oh, I feel like I'm in a cubicle, so let's let's do away with this. So I actually sold that to a buddy 
of mine who needed, he actually really needed that thing in his clothes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so now I have like this nice kind of open thing. There's no treatment on the ceiling, which is kind of weird. Um, but what I ended up doing is I just picked the right gear for the space. Mm-hmm. So I have like, you know, I have some of the, uh, the FRX uh, symbols that Sabian makes. All right, with this, a few holes in it, right, to cut down yeah. some of the bite. So I have some of those. Um, we have some prototypes that maybe that are really, really cool and kind of quiet. Uh, the uh, Monarch hats are really, really nice uh, because the cool thing about, I mean, you know, this like with uh, with high hats, you know, the high end is so crazy, mm-hmm. and high hats are so loud, also that they just kind of get in everything. So you don't necessarily need a hi-hat mic. But if you take some, and I, I hate to use the word dull, but if you take some kind of, well, less sharp sounding, less bright uh, sounding hi-hats and, uh, you know, think like 60s kind of hi-hat sound, mm-hmm. you take that and you put a mic on it, well, you can always add high-end to, to, to crisp it up if you need mm-hmm. to. But the cool thing is that that doesn't bleed into everything like like normal. Like, you know, if you're like, oh, I got these quick beats or these new beats, and it's like, <laughs> you know, and everything. This is like, you know, uh, and that, and then I have like this cool, I forget the, 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 the model number, but Sennheiser made this vocal mic that was kind of like geared towards like Billy Eilish, 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 I think my name is, mm. um, where it's for people who sing quiet. And, mm. but it's cool because it kind of blocks out all of the ambient noises, uh, around it. So I have one of those in my snare and what's cool is that that also cuts down, you know, the cymbal bleed, mm-hmm. most, especially from the hi-hat, but a little but from everything else. So, so yeah, so I've been, it's kind of like a mad scientist, except for like, I'm not a scientist. I'm just mad and <laughs> <clears throat> mad and yeah. restless. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, like, <gasps> you know, um, you know, it's like, I can't get this to stop bleeding everywhere. You know, uh, but that's been fun though. Like that, you know, that actually, man, that was during the pandemic. That was one of the things that really, really kept me going and actually kind of, really helped me as a person and as a player because I was having to deal with like, you know, one personal time Two, I wanted to, I wanted to keep my chops up because like I said, we didn't know when we were going to get back to playing. Mm -hmm. And then three is like, man, I can learn a new skill, which, you know, you know, I'm not sure about you, but when I was a kid, the idea or say a kid, but a young man uh, entering the music business the idea of being an engineer was crazy to me, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, I don't know what these numbers mean. I don't know when, you know, when you hear people ran off like, Oh, this is, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, Oh, uh, this snare drum sound. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, so jumping into that world. Uh, and I say jumping into, cause you, you know, as you as a home studio guy, you are the engineer also, so you start to jump, you start to dive into that. And then it gets kind of fun because you're like, oh, there's really no right way to do it. There's lots of really, really wrong ways to do it. <laughs> but, you know, you, if you can, if you know, you can know just enough to be dangerous to be like, oh man, all right. So if I put this microphone right here, 
and then I put this drum up and then I add this and you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, but to me, the, the biggest thing that I did though, was I was, I, I talked to all my friends who had home studios and uh, we were all, we were always comparing notes, but the biggest thing was to start off with overheads mm, okay, and, and kick. And basically that was the way that we, I, for me, I built my whole thing was around a decent, a decent set of overheads, how loud, like how much, how much could the room take of the drums, mm-hmm. which drums could they take? You know? So I ended up doing kick snare overheads first for about two weeks and then moving and then moving the kit around too. I was just like, mm. Oh, I'm going to face it this way. I'm going to face it that way. I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to face it towards the wall. I'm, you know, I was like, what do I do? You know? And then after that, I brought in Tom mics and then I brought in room mics, you know, and then it was like, so that was my, me learning how to be an engineer and how to like figure out how to make this small space work. Cause I don't know anything about numbers. I couldn't tell you the size of my bedroom, but it's a bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, probably I mean? a square box, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's a very awkward square box. It's like, if I was a square box, that's my room. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's very, very awkward. So what is the kit that, that fits in there? This is, I think this is good for everyone to hear. Like what sizes, what type of drums, you know, did you, did, was there some drums you love that just will not work in there? First of all, let's start with what is in there. What is working? Right now, there is a Pearl Maple Gum Kit. Mm. And it's 13, 16, 24 by 11 kick drum. Interesting. Now, why the shallow kick? One, uh, uh, room. <laughs> I have room to walk around. Uh, two, it actually sounds really, really good. Uh, it, it has a nice punch to it, um, which is actually also very nice for the room because uh, it wasn't the kick drum is not uh, it's not over it's not being overwhelming for the overheads because you know once again the overheads are picking up everything, mm-hmm. so uh, there's no big rumble thing happening. So it's nice and punchy. Uh, if I do want something with a little more low end, uh, I have a sol- I have a Solomon that I'll I'll, I'll put up, uh, or I'll take another bass drum and I'll put it in front of it and then put two Solomons mm. and just and to get the extra extra low end so I I can control it because uh, mm-hmm. I would I'd rather do that than to like use samples and stuff like that. Uh, so I have that, and then snare drum wise, I have a bunch of different snares, but. The, the two that work really, really well are a uh, 12 by 6 uh, Hayward drum, which is uh, maple. And then I have a 12 by 5 Tama Babinga. That is my ballad drum. What? You're using 12s in that room? Yeah. So you've got the Babinga tuned super low? It's super low, and you don't know that it's a 12 inch drum. Like you hear wow. it and you go, oh. And then the, and then the, and then the, uh, the maple one is just, you know, it's, it's a 12 inch drum. So obviously it's not cranked up. I had it to where it sounds like a normal snare drum. Mm-hmm. It's just happens to be 12. But once again, it doesn't overtake the room. You know what I mean? I can still play without having to like, you know, I don't have to go, oh, you know, mm. I can still hit it. Uh, then I have a four by 14 nickel over brass uh, Ludwig. Uh, that's like the fan favorite. I love that one. Mm. Uh, that one sounds really good. The Steve Ferroni uh, Pearl uh, is very nice, you know, uh, round 
drum. But but the two go-tos for in, for most things are those two 12-inch snare drums, um, which is really cool, man. It's actually, like, I, I, I kind of got hit to that through uh, watching Ash Stone a little bit because mm. he was using a 12, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, right? Oh, and I was like, hey, Ash, why do you use that, you know? And then he kind of had the same vibe of, like, yeah, it's very controlled, so. Mm. What about, like, muffling? Do you have these things super dead for that space? I don't, actually. They're actually live. Mm. which is kind of weird uh the snare drum uh the 12 inch uh, the the maple the normal 12 inch snare drum is a little more uh ringy only because it kind of makes it sound a little bigger mm-hmm. uh but i can also control that I, well, and i will use dampening for it but the toms are pretty wide open i actually like them uh I like I like them to sing, and and I'm not killing them either. Like I'm being, I'm being respectful to the space, you know. Like even if I'm having to like play like some pretty rocking stuff, I don't have to just beat the hell out of them. I can mm-hmm. I can still do it and have it be controlled. But yeah, I mean, it's that was. I mean, honestly, that's been probably probably my favorite kit to have in there. Uh, it's the first kit that I had in there was a Tama the Binga kit, and it was too loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other kit that worked well for a while was a uh, solid shell kit that I had in there. Uh, had a Craviato kit in there mm. for a little bit. I was like, what? I was like, had a solid shell kit. What was that called? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. You know, the one company that makes them right now. <laughs> That's not true. Doc Sweeney. There's some others out there. Yeah. All right, yeah. I know. I, I just got some shells from the company. I'm really excited about those. Yeah. Um, but I had a 14, 14, 16, 24 uh, crop dino kit in there that was actually very, very nice. It was, I, I, I enjoyed 16, it. 16, 24. I'm surprised that those big atoms are not blowing out the, the room. It's crazy. I know. It's weird. Because I was, I kind of felt the same way. But uh, no, they've been really good. And, I, and once again, I'm not killing them. Mm. Uh, but yeah, even if the the Pearl kit I was talking about is bought, those toms sound really, really nice in that room. It's like, all right. And I'm not a big, like, oh, I like big toms. Because I, I personally, I like 12, 16 or 12, 14 is really where, you know, where I'm at. I'm not, a, I'm not, oh, not a, I, when I was younger, I was like, oh, yeah, 10 inch tom. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now I'm just like, you know, that's like the starter Tom. It's so easy to tune. <laughs> oh, it's so easy, so so easy to tune. You know, it's like it's like, oh yeah, uh, twelve, thirteen, mm, no, ten. Oh yeah, all right. Uh, and now I'm just like, I don't even like my touring kit has a ten, and it's cool. You know, I don't, I, I hit it, but like mm. I don't I don't go oh anymore. I'm like, oh, oh. Oh, great, ten inch time now, so. Do you have yeah. to change your tuning at all for the for the home studio, or is it similar to what you do live? So, what's funny is we did this is goofy story, but years ago we did a thing where we played Alex Van Halen's kit, and I noticed that the toms were tuned up like pretty high, mm. and I was like, "Oh, that's how he gets that sound." Okay, so what I ended up doing was I actually tuned the drums higher here at home mm. than I do live. Um, I started to tune the drums higher live also, but what I'm doing here is I'm tuning the drums up a little bit higher 
and then I'm moving the microphones away from the drums a bit more mm-hmm. so that so that what I'm capturing is not head. I'm capturing the drum developing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that sounds, I mean, I may sound a little silly, but, you know, as yeah. opposed to just getting like, you know, ah, uh, you know, I'm getting like, oh, a big, like a, a big picture of the, of the, of the, of the Tom, as opposed to just like, oh, let me tune it to where it sounds, whatever, and then put the mic right there. I was like, well, I don't listen to it. I don't listen to it that way. So How let's far try back something. That's 12 inches, right? I mean, uh, uh <laughs> I'll take your hand, yeah. dude. <laughs> Uh, it's there about four inches. Uh, okay, that's pretty far. Yeah, it's probably about twice, well, maybe an inch higher than what I think is standard, maybe. Yeah, so it's about four inches away. And then I also don't have the symbols like right over the toms either. So mm. I have things, you know, places where they, you know, I can still play them, but kind of out of the, out of the way, you know, because mm-hmm. I don't, because I, I also think I don't want to use gates. I mean, I, I do gate the toms, but I don't want to use like closed gates because I'm, I'm still trying to make music here, and I feel like mm. gates can be very unmusical at times. So, um, but yeah, so that, just doing that, and and what's fun though is that since I have the space, I'm on my own dime. You know, I, I can mess with stuff as much as I want. And mm. one of the, one of the silliest things was trying different bottom heads. Really? Yeah. Because like you don't think about it at all. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, bottom end, whatever. And someone told me this, and I I hope I have this right. They said that your tone comes from the bottom heads, and the feel of the drum comes from the top of the head. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, well, what does that mean? So I started to pay more attention to the bottom head. So like tuning it higher, lower. Mm-hmm. did it totally did affect the sound of it more than me tuning the top higher or lower because that was it is more of a feel thing mm-hmm. so it was like all right well how do i do this so when i was talking about pitching the drum up i pitched the drum up from the bottom which then worked then i started to work with the top to get that thing happening and yeah it's, it's a thing so now my my bottom head is tighter than uh, I would normally play it, and and my top head is 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 tighter also, but it's not crazy tight. Mm-hmm. But you know what I mean. But it's it's just funny that you now you have that relationship, and then you go, oh, it's like it's almost like the batter of a ba- of a kick drum head. Same way, it's like I mean uh, the resonant head. Um, it's just not something that displays your band's logo. Mm-hmm. Um, it right. you know it's it it needs to be tuned. Um, to and and it needs to be tuned right because it does affect the way you know the the well, one it affects the feel of the drum, it affects the sound of the drum. And if you have microphones pointing at the head, it's going to pick up what that head is producing, mm-hmm. and so you should pay attention to it. Um, and I I'm not a big fan of logo heads, but I like them now because they kind of provide a little more dead deadening to to the kick drum um which means i can use less stuff on the inside of the kick drum which means more volume mm. so now like so the less stuff you put in but the more it's not so muted right so if the head kind of has a thing already then i can take out a little bit on the inside 
snag the kick drum and I got more volume, mm-hmm. um, which is also very nice. You know, it's not, especially for having the shallow kick drums, having some volume, having some having some punch, uh, and then having a low end come from the back head, and and then that low end be controlled. I think it's yeah. So you have I mean, a logo head in your it. studio? I do. It's so dumb. It's just so, <laughs> what I mean, is it's just, is it is it a Kiko Stroud custom logo head? Uh, that was one of my face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the current one, the one that's on the one that's in there right now, uh, is a chicken that uh, Ben Caesar drew. <laughs> <Nice>. uh, <laughs> ben Caesar, the drummer for Brad Paisley, for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he made this. He he created this this rooster basically, and he's got a hammer, and he's he's like this basically. Okay, and so that's what. I, that's what I, <laughs> so how would you get the logo printed onto a head? What company do you use? Uh, Evans did it. For okay, me. yeah, it's like the ink by Evans thing. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. They do all of the heads for me, which is funny. And we tried, you know, with with Big and Rich because it's kind of a theatrical thingy um i always try to get some funny heads mm-hmm. so uh we did one of my face we did one of our base our bass player uh he, he looks really stoned but he's not stoned at all but he's where he's put on he put on these readers so his eyes just look huge <laughs> <laughs> so we made a bass trip. i i did i did tell him <laughs> we didn't actually we didn't tell i didn't tell anybody so, um, funny story. So, <laughs> funny logo head story. So, I'm out seven for Hank Williams Jr. And the band is going to pick me up. Like, so, like, I'm playing a gig with Hank in Birmingham. And then our band bus for Big and Rich is going to pick me up at the hotel after the Hank show. And then we're going to go to Florida. And so, I order this head. It comes in just in time. So, like, I bring it with me to the hang gig, the, the, the bus picks me up. They're like, Oh man, you got us. Oh yeah. That bass from head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it felt a little funny, man. So I got to replace it, you know, one of those things. And so then the band, so the band goes to the hotel and I just take the head and I took over oh, to the drum tech. And I was like, put this on. <laughs> and he did. And, um, so no one knew, and then we get we get about halfway through sound check, and the bass player looks back and just goes, "Man, I go, gotcha, buddy." <laughs> so we still didn't tell anybody else about it, like because the bosses they didn't come to sound check. Mm-hmm. So they literally walk out and show. John turns around, looks, and just dies laughing. <laughs> can't even see, can't, can barely sing the first song. Because <laughs> he's just, just Jeff, he's just staring. He's just like, <laughs> that's so weird. I gotta see a picture of that somewhere. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. So, yeah. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343 
or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. Sounds like you guys have fun on the road. So is the, is the I mean, it's not like the, um, you know, be silent and quiet kind of gig. You're able to kind of be yourself on with this. Yeah, we can be, yeah, we can be silly, which is good. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'll take it. Man, I was going to ask you something serious, and you totally took me off topic. <laughs> oh, well, we can be serious. <laughs> oh, you're talking about bottom heads. Did you mess around with the different models, or is it just Oh, yeah, yeah. So I ended up going with uh, – so I, I tried some Evans guy. So I tried the G1, mm-hmm. which I for years. So, okay, cool. Uh, but then I tried a G14. Okay. Uh, because I think Chris Coleman uses those at the bottom head, they were telling me. So I tried that, and it was cool. The drums were a little, in my opinion, it's not a little more boxy, so I wasn't into that. Mm-hmm. But then I ended up trying the Resident Black uh, head. Okay. And is that a thinner head? What is it? I, th- I think it's a thinner head, yeah. Mm. Um, and that was the one for me. That's what mm. I'm using. So I had the, th- the Resident Black on the bottom and then i'm using the g14 coated on top uh and man that's a good it's a good combination because it's got this like i said it's got the nice snap to it um for for this for the higher tuning mm-hmm. if i was tuning if i was going to tune more low i would probably go with a g2 mm-hmm. uh on on them and then and as silly as it sounds i've even tried uh the heavyweight heads, the snare drum yep. head, I put those on toms also. Oh goodness! <laughs> on a on a twelve and a fourteen, uh, because the first my first my second year out with Big and I'm lying. Third year out with Big and Rich, I played a 12, 14, 22. and That's a it small was kid. yeah, and it was silly because everybody's like, "Why are you playing a fourteen inch four tom?" And I was like, "Well, I'll tell you why." Um, they they spoke more. They were louder. They were they were, they projected more in the PA hmm. than than the sixteen did. So I did 12, 14, 20 inch gong drum is what it was. Hmm. So and the and the drum between the fourteen and the gong drum was so big that it made the gong drum sound huge. Mm-hmm. But and then the twelve and the fourteen here was good. So that was a nice split there. But the fourteen really really had had a thing. Uh, and I was able to put the uh, the heavyweight head on it and tune it kind of low, and it had a nice thuddy thing, but yet it was able to project. So it was a very strange. I, That's I wouldn't. Wild. I wouldn't do it again. I'd say <laughs> that. But but for that year, it was what was needed for that year. And every time I've tried to use a fourteen-inch floor, and I do often for gigs, but when it gets louder, I feel like that drum is just. It's just pooping out. Yeah, yeah. They definitely have a they have a ceiling, so to speak, when it comes to to, to like the low end things. So yeah, it's and it's funny too because you kind of have to. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but like, and I learned this recently. But you know, if you have toms, you tune from low to high, mm. uh, because you usually what happens, especially in, honestly in Nashville, we like to tune our drums low. Mm. here um but they, a lot of times there's nowhere for it to go when you start with this drum you go oh i'm going to tune this one and then by the time you get to that one to get the spread you want it's crapping out and you mm. go 
oh, why is this drum crapping out? It's like, well, because that one's too low already. So start wow, with good the tip. Start with the floor time, work your way up. Yeah. So, and I, and so 2019 with Big and Rich, I played 8, 10, 12, 13, 14. Oh, I'm lying. 10, 12, 13, 16, 18, 14. Mm. And uh, all concert times. And what we were, ha- I was having an issue with this 18 was just like, it, it wasn't even like finger tight. And I was like, this sucks. It's bottomed out. So we started to tune the 18 first. And then we worked our way up. Mm. And the drums really, really sang. And they were, and they were pitched higher than I would have thought I would have liked, but it worked out. And was also kind of that, that journey helped me lead to tuning drums here higher also, Mm. because the front house guy was like, Oh man, the drums sound great. Like you put new heads on them. And I was like, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just learned how to tune them, you know? Because I mean, not everybody uses six times, you know. So yeah, that's yeah. a lot. Yeah, what do you yeah. go for thirds? I don't know what would be the interval spread there. Man, I don't know. I was just whatever sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I never. I also I don't play like drum fills that way. Like I, I kind of go. It, I have the, the 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 voices are there, and I just play them however I want. I mean, every now and then I go, you know, where mm. I like but you know mostly it's just a you know i i like the idea of like having if i have a 10 i can i can do got do do cut that do on the 16 mm-hmm. yeah or i can or if i do if i want to do three i can go 10 13 16 you know or mm-hmm. if i want to do 12 14 you know like, i like the idea of having the options of Putting of having the drums be have have the drums have different voices and different spots to the song. So like, say say the first chorus, uh, you know, it's a little smaller or whatever. I can I can go ten to sixteen or I go ten to thirteen, right? But it sounds like I went twelve. It sounds like I went rack time to four time, mm-hmm. but I just went just two different pitches, right? And say so the next time it's a little bigger then I can mm-hmm. go 13 to the 18 oh, or, cool. or, you know what I mean? So <clears throat> it's more of about, it's more about having the choices of, Oh, I can go. I, I have, I have a collection of sounds and, and stuff. So let's just do it here as opposed to, Oh yeah, I got drums, <laughs> you know, which yeah. I do also poorly. I, I've never yeah. thought of, of orchestrating fills based on the pitch I mean, you could play the same fill with higher drums. It's not going to have as much impact. And then when you play later in the song, you go to the bigger. That's what you're saying, right? Smaller yeah. drums, like maybe the first transition. And then when you get to that out course, the bigger yeah. drums. Yeah. Smart. It's, you know, it, it justifies having a big drum set in country <laughs> music. Because if people go, the first thing he goes, hey, man, what the fuck you got those drums for, man? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and, I, and, I, and I go, well, I'm Honestly, I don't know why I have them either. I mean, the, the my response would be: Have you seen Elvis Presley in the seventies? Double bass kit, <laughs> like exactly, <eight> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so but but you know, what's fun though is that having a bigger kit like that, uh, one visually is awesome, uh, and because I'm fat, it, it covers me up. Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's one. Sorry, two. 
um, it's it's fun to have those sounds and it's fun to be to be musical or to attempt to be musical in a situation where like people don't think about it being musical. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. see Simon, like you see Simon Phillips, and you're like, man, does Simon Phillips need that kit? And the answer to that is no. Simon Phillips will sound like Simon Phillips on a four piece kit, mm-hmm. but he has that kit because he has, those are his voices and he wants to play them at different times. And it makes sense. You know, it's like a piano player. It's like, you're not going to be like, okay, no black keys today, buddy. Mm, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so here's your piano. We took away all the black keys. Good luck. <laughs> so, yeah. So what is your current touring setup? Uh, let's see. But it's right now, it's, so they're all concert times again. Um, concert times work really, really well live, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I'll just say this. A lot of times uh, in a live situation, especially when you're a backing guy and you're not in the band, you don't have control over what happens. Um, you know, the drums are gated because the pitch bin, a lot of engines, especially playing bigger places, the pitch bins get, they get in the way, mm-hmm. you know, the residents, you know, doo, doo, like that's cool. And, and every manufacturer wants to make those drums sing as long as possible. Every front of house guy wants them to choke as fast as possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, because if you start, you know, it starts to swim, you know, it's, it starts to, you yeah. get in a big situation, you got a bunch of stuff happening, it's a swim, right? So, I do the concert toms uh, because they don't do that. Uh, people go, oh, the drums are choked. Wrong. Concert toms still have resonance. They don't have a pinch bin. Mm. So the drum can still go, doom. It just doesn't go, doom. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And if you mic it from the top, uh, it has a bit more of a normal sound than the classic underneath mm-hmm. 70 sound. But that sounds very direct, which hits the PA, very direct, which means it speaks more, which means it's less gates, uh, usually, and also louder. So um, there's a lot of things that go into where the drums are now in the PA, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of what people want, you know, everybody wants to hear. I say everybody wants to hear, but like, if you're there and you see a guy going around the drums, you want to hear them. So there's that. Um, so anyway. So 10, 12, 13 concert toms. There's a 16-inch floor tom that's normal, 20-inch gong drum, two 22-inch kick drums, and then two 26-inch kick drums. Oof. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> How are you hitting the 26s? So, all right, here's the deal. I played this 26 over here, and it's just a backup in case something goes wrong with this 22 uh, here. Okay. This 22 here, I don't play at all. Um, it is to hold the hi-hat in place and to hold a, a cymbal. Um, is there a pedal on it? There is not a pedal on it. Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's just there. Um, yes. And then the 26 over here is a cooler. It's a cooler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go big, go big, right? <laughs> so, and then, uh, yeah, the, the, the part of the show where, like, 
they do a lot of yapping. So I just like walk off the drum riser and open up the bass drum and start serving drinks to the band. That's, that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, it says that. And then the symbol was very uh, 22, 22 crash, 24 ride, 19 inch crash with rivets, mm-hmm. and then 22 inch China, uh, 17 inch hi hat. So, uh, but yeah, I, it's a, you know, it's it's a big kit, but when you sit behind it, you're like, oh, okay. it's whatever. But what, you, what sticks do you yeah. use? Do you use tree trunks to get around that kit? I well, yeah. I've been in I'm in a weird spot with drumsticks right now. I I used to use really, really big drumsticks, like a almost like a two S. Like a marching uh, stick. Like a marching stick, yeah. Uh Vader makes a stick uh called the MV ten, which is like a tenor stick. So it's basically it's be a, a mammoth billy club. It's a, it is yeah we yeah we call them baseball bats <laughs> or baby bats. It's uh, nuts. <laughs> yeah, but during during the lockdown, I was like, I want to play with smaller sticks, and so uh, I went to tubies. Okay. Uh, so those are yeah. still a big stick. So what I do is I have a tube in my right hand, and then I have a double ended tube in my right hand. So there's no tip on this deal here. Yeah. And yeah, no chance. So, um, yeah, so that's what I'm doing and it's cool. Uh, I, what's really funny is the big stick thing never really, like, I like them. It is, it is what it is, but I was making a record with the Kev Mo and, uh, he was like, man, what's these big ass drumsticks. And I was like, ah, man, you know, it's just my thing. He was like, but you're so little. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. I know. And he was funny because he was like, we were trying to get this thing, and and he just brings out these seven A's, and he just goes, "This is the symbol sound." Mm. All right, chopsticks for you then. And I, and I remember playing that <laughs> session with those tiny ass drumsticks, and I and and two things came to my mind. I said, "These are tiny," and he's not wrong. Mm. It, sound, it sounds great so uh so then i've been i've been on a journey to try to try to get smaller drumsticks but it's just weird i'm just used to these i'm just used to it so so do you use the big sticks so you don't have to work as hard or do you feel like you it makes you work harder like what is the reasoning for it honestly they just it just feels in my my hands mm. it just it's just it's a it's a hand thing and it's it's well i'll say there's two things it's the uh, the feeling in my hands, and then I like the forward motion of it. So mm-hmm. when I'm coming down, like when I'm when I'm coming down like this, I like the like it's like swinging a hammer and an axe. I like that that forward motion that comes out with it because mm-hmm. I feel like I started and the stick finished it. Mm. Uh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Yeah. So it's like if I'm if I'm swinging an axe, you don't have to go all the way down like that. You can just go. And then it starts to do that. It's you start the motion, it finishes it. Mm-hmm. And then with that, and then what happens is the next thing I have to do is help out, help with the rebound mm-hmm. for me. And, and I say that as if I'm some really fast drummer, I'm not, it's just, that's just how I like to play, you know, where it's like, I start the motion, the stick finishes it. It starts to balance. It starts the, the rebound. I finish the rebound and then we start again. Mm. 
So you're like, it is working for you. I would feel yeah. like I'd have to like hold on tight with a big ass stick like that. No, I, I hardly, man, it's like, like, this is horrible. This is a stick here, but like, this is, you know, that's a pretty big drumstick. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, if I have it like this, if I'm coming, I mean, that's, and I'm coming right back. Yeah. That's it. Did you play marching band or anything coming up? Where'd you get used to that size stick? Uh, I did. I played uh, mostly tennis because I was too short to be like a snare drum line with all the tall guys. So, oh, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you would be too too much of a drop off for the uniform <laughs> look. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I played I played the tenors and and yeah, those sticks were a bit bigger. So yeah. <clears throat> I saw uh, Sonny Emery years ago give a clinic and he was using gigantic sticks. Uh, and I, that kind of not only for when he was like demonstrating technique, but still that that to this day I practice with marching sticks. I don't play drum yeah. set with them though. That's just <laughs> insane, dude. You got to be destroying gear. No, you know, no. I I do use the marching hit on the snare drum, so there's that. But mm. uh, I break one cymbal a year. I, you know, mm. so basically every every fifty sixty shows I break a cymbal. Um, and that's and that's only because I play so few cymbals, mm. you know. And, and I, I just recently went to having two crashes over here. I mean, I usually have just two crashes arrived in China. So, and I'm just, you know, and I'm I am coming up, you know, especially on this one. I'm, and uh, and that's the one I break. I hardly ever break anything on this side. Mm. Other, I, I mean, I'll, I'll break a China uh, because it's so thin. But like over here, yeah. Um, but yeah. For the most part, it's, big ass it's, sticks and good technique, big sound. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know you got to work on your angles too. You know you got your your angles have got to be a thing. You got to, yeah. I don't know that's a that's another Ben Caesarism. You know where you got to have, you know your angles are are a thing. And I and it's funny because I say Ben Caesar, but the first time I heard that was uh, Rick Lathan when I was in high school. He came into the drum clinic and. Uh, I helped him set up his kit mm-hmm. for the thing. And his whole thing was he, the angle of the, of the drums were a thing because he didn't want to pit the heads. And so his whole thing was, man, this is here. This is there because it's how I, I strike the drum and notice how I'm not pitting the heads. And I was like, yeah, you're not pitting the heads at all. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I took that into my, you know, into my adulthood, you know, when I became the, a drummer dude, I was like, Oh, I kind of I want to place my drums where I don't pit the heads. And uh, what does that mean? You're angling maybe more towards you or flatter? How does just, it just depends on how you play, you know? So it's like, you know, like an example. So this to me, this is a button in, in this in, in this hand here. So I'm not gonna and I play like this, you know, coming down like that. So I'm not gonna have my snare drums angled like this because if I do. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to pit it. And so same thing for my toms. So depending on how your natural motion of how you do things. So if you go, if you're going dot, 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 right. Well, wherever you're, wherever this hits flat on the head, that should be the angle of your tom. Uh-huh. Smart. And, and then the next, and then go to the next one and then go to the next, the mm. next, right. And then you do that. And then, you know, obviously you, you know, you can't pit stuff, you know, we all, you know, things happen, but for the most part, if you have those things set up a certain way, 
it's gonna it's gonna hit and it's not gonna pit the uh, it's not gonna pit the head. Same thing for symbols. You know, it's like if you have your symbols set up to where you can, you know, you can hit across the bow of them or however you're gonna do it, you're not gonna break them as, as fast. Mm. So, but obviously, anything that you hit over and over and over. Yeah, will eventually, yeah. will eventually break. So, yeah, I think breaking one single year is probably less than most guys who are out on the road as much as you are. I, I think I'm pretty proud of that. I'm, I'm, you know, I think Sabian likes me for that. <laughs> hey, especially in the past <laughs> two years. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I want to wrap up with because when I saw you at um, Pasic a couple weeks ago, you were on one day off, and then you were just flying to play with a band you never played before. So, I want to wrap up a little bit on how. How do you do that? How do you prepare? I mean, you had, what, a few days to prepare, a whole show, never played any of the songs before, never, you played with one person in the band before, no rehearsal. Yeah. I assume there's a sound check, but, you know, what is your process for something like that? Because you get called for a lot of this kind of work, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, it's funny, Rich Redman called me the Sub Monkey many years ago, and it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's stuck. Um, and I had, I had this business card made up called Sub Monkey Drums. You know, <laughs> if you need a, if you if you need a real drummer, call me or Steve Ferroni. Um, <clears throat> but uh, basically, what happens is I get a phone call and they say, "Hey, man, what are you doing? Can you?" And you go, "Yes." And so what they do is they send over. If normally what happens is you'll get a a, a, a sentence, and they should send over a board tape. Mm-hmm. which is a live tape of them playing um, and hopefully charts if they have charts mm-hmm. uh, that way you don't have to write them out. You can listen, follow through, make your notes on the side and then, then go play a show. Basically mm-hmm. if you're really lucky, there's some sort of video also mm-hmm. and that way you can watch the show while going through your notes and making notes because there's probably some visual cues going on, mm-hmm. especially as a drummer that you have to know about. Uh, in this particular situation, I, I have a subject from my buddy Miles, who plays drums for a band co- uh, guy, Cody Johnson. And these dudes had, they had to shit together. Like it was, it was pretty, pretty badass. Miles, Miles was having a baby and they knew that he was going to eventually get a sub. So a month before they had sent over a board tape mm. and said, man, just casually listen to it when you can. Uh, we may need you, may not need you, whatever. So I did. I, you know, I kind of casually listened to it, you know, for a couple of weeks in my casually, I mean, like literally like, oh, I should listen to this because I have to do this in mm-hmm. two months kind of thing. So you listen to it, you know, okay, cool, whatever. You move on. Well, uh, that Sunday when I ran to you before, yeah, after I ran to you, so Sunday, Miles goes, Hey man, the baby's coming this week. Can you do it this week? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, yeah. So that casually listening to it went, Oh shit. So what they ended up doing was they recorded the week before, and the and the board tape the week before had the click and the count offs in it. Mm, okay. And the drummer, Miles, he does all the count-offs. So it was something I was going to have to do. Mm-hmm. So I not only did I have to learn how to play the music, I had to learn how to count all the songs off mm-hmm. also. So that's, so that's my process. Then, so then after that, I basically have to shut down 
for about five hours and listen. Mm-hmm. And so I drove up to Indiana, da, 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 you know, and I was listening to the tunes, making some notes. And by the time I saw you, I was fairly confident. I was like, I can, I can play the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next thing was, fl- the next was flying to Denver and meeting the band and then realizing how to run the show. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, which was <clears throat> quite the challenge. So I had to learn his click system because they the whole band has a click track in it. Um, and they're used to certain sounds. And my whole deal also is to seamlessly flow into this thing as if that the, the normal drummer is still there. Mm-hmm. So I had to not only learn his parts, play them as close as possible, provide comfort for everybody involved, but then also learn this thing I knew nothing about. And I don't know shit about technology sometimes. So he ran a, a click app, app off his uh, I, uh, iPad that had a foot switch, which I don't do foot switches very well. Cause I'm just like, well, I got to play drums. How about I need my feet? And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, but I had about five minutes to figure that out. Five <laughs> so, <minutes>? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I did. I had about five minutes to figure it out because the, because then we were, this is like the day of, we were going to run through as much of the show as we could, which is basically the transitions mm-hmm. to make sure that we're all on the same page because, you know, it's a show and they're, they're the headliners. So a couple things come into play. One, you don't want to suck. Two, there's a curfew for most of these places. Uh, where because you know everybody that works there at eleven o'clock everybody gets time and a half. Mm-hmm. So if you go over, it comes off the you know it comes off the top right. Yeah. And they had they had a whole show that had to be ran uh, within ninety minutes basically. And so my deal was to make sure that we could do this show in ninety minutes. And the rest of the band, the band leader, and everybody else there, they were very adamant about we have to get this. Everything has to go fast, smooth, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah, so I had five minutes to do that. So then we actually ran through the intro, some of the transitions, blah, 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 blah. Now, the hardest part about it, all of that is, is when you're seven these gigs, I don't use my gear. I use whatever gear they had out. Right. <laughs> and, and so you have to be able to adjust it. Uh, Miles is a foot taller than I am, so everything was higher. And then he plays somewhat backwards. So right symbol on the left-hand side, side snare drums on the right-hand side. Mm. So, and it was all this whole thing. And the kit used to be on a rack. It's not anymore. When I saw you, I was like, oh, it's on the rack still. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's, not, it's not on a rack anymore. So another thing, so we got to figure out, you know, we had to figure that out first, I guess. That was first, click, and then we ran through the stuff. Uh, and then ear mixes. Well, I have, I'm using this other guy's ear mix. So, his ear mix is nothing like what I'm used to with Big and Rich. Mm-hmm. So my whole job is to come in, kick ass, adapt, kick ass, adapt. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, because you, I mean, because nothing is what you want it to be. You're literally yeah. walking into, you know, someone else's situation. Yeah. And, but yet you got to make sure that the singer dude is comfortable. Yeah. You got to make sure that the bass player is cool. You know, Everybody, like basically everybody's needs come before yours, mm-hmm. but yet you also have to ha- be comfortable enough. 
Like, you know what I mean? Like you, like you're comfortable enough while trying to make everybody else feel like nothing else is, is wrong. You know what I mean? And that, that gets to be, it gets to be a lot. So the first, uh, that, that sound check where we ran over stuff, it was, it kind of got to me a little bit. Like mm-hmm. not a lot of you. I was like, Oh man, like what the fuck did I just sign up for? Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> um, because I got, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening here and the guys that band's been together for 10 years. So, so you feel the pressure of, of that. And, uh, and those guys are my, some of them are, are my friends. They're, they're my friends. Now one guy is my buddy and the drummer is my, my, my friend. So there was the, there was the whole thing of like, you don't want to let your buddy down. Mm-hmm. So you gotta, you gotta have it. So I just remember like after the sound check, I took a nap cause I needed a nap. Um, woke up, felt a little refreshed. I listened to the board tape again and, uh, Cody, the, the, the lead singer, he came and listened to the board tape with me actually, what I thought was really cool. And he was like, oh man, he goes, just the stuff I forgot to tell you. He goes, some of these things are visual cues. <laughs> of course. Right before you go on. Of course. I was, I was like, Hey man, I'll be watching you, buddy. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he literally said to me, he said, I know you will. He goes, You have no idea how much I appreciate you being here. Mm. He goes, and if you couldn't have been here, we would have canceled the shows. Mm-hmm. He goes, Have fun. And I was like, All right. And I did. I went out and I knew that it wasn't gonna be perfect. I made two mistakes. And by two mistakes, uh I I hit the click wrong. And 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 started the wrong song, which just clicks. So it was like, oh, okay, stop, start. So okay. three seconds, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then I forgot. Uh, I, I blew through a drum fill, and that was it. And I was like, and then the gig was over. Everybody high five. I was like, yes, and I went to bed. <laughs> was it fun? Always the question for me is: Do you allow yourself to actually have any fun, or is it so much work? Well, and that was the thing. It was like once the show, like once I got from song one. So it's it, this. I did this on, on, even on my normal gig. Uh, there's a flow of the show, right? And usually about song three. After song three, is when there's like some sort of breathing, three mm-hmm. or four, right? So my goal was if I can make the first three songs flow as normal, everyone is going to come off the edge, including mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. So the first three songs are all business. And then after that, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Especially if they go well. If they don't go well, then the rest just sets business too. But if the first three go well, then you're like, all right, that guy's relaxed. I'm relaxed. Let's let's party. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's kind of how it went. It was like the first three songs. And everybody noticed it too. It was like, after the show, they're like, yeah, man. Uh, song number four, man. The band was really, really rock- like the mm-hmm. front house guy. Who went, I actually knew the front house guy too. He said, "He goes, man. Song four. He goes, the band was fucking killer." And I was mm-hmm. like, "All right, here we go." And so the next night, it started. It started that way from day one because it was like we we had done it before. All right, everybody knows what it is. Let's do it. So we went. You know, fun happened from downbeat uh, one of the of the next show, and it, and it went fine. And uh, and also the best part about that is is when it's your last show, you can't be fired. So who gives a shit? 
And then you just really <laughs> like <laughs> That's amazing. I, I don't so, totally mean that, but you know. <laughs> do you do you have to like flush this stuff from your memory bank when it's over, or do you keep it kind of close because you never know if you need to go back out? Well, I, I the way I'm wired is I cannot flush it from my memory, mm. so it's there. Um, but you could play the show tomorrow if, if you I could play it tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, it, but it sucks because right now I, I'm I'm back into freelance mode. A little bit so uh two like the week before i did the sub date i did another gig where i had to learn 26 songs mm. so it was 26 songs play the gig get this phone call 20 songs this then this week i have another one of those so i had an additional 20 songs to learn for a gig this week so right now i have about eh, almost 70 songs new songs stuck in my head right now and it makes it a little it's it's a little difficult to sleep I, i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I bet. they all they all start to play in my head at once um and it's which, all within like a similar kind of tempo range i assume right yeah it's all around the same tempo range same feel um sometimes i look at a song title and i go ah, I, I don't <laughs> you know especially if i'm supposed to know it you know and so yeah so yeah I, I got a couple of days off right now before like so i have to put this one gig on this on saturday oh yes yeah, on sunday but we've rehearsed yesterday so i'm gonna kind of hopefully kind of take some of the other stuff off my brain over the next couple of days mm-hmm. uh as most people are going to be having thanksgiving i'm going to be drinking um heavy no, i'm joking um, I'm just gonna be sleeping actually. <laughs> Killing brain cells. Yeah. Where are those songs living? Let's kill them. <laughs> so, but yeah, but you know, but the whole thing, you know, it's fun, and, and I keep, you know, I keep charts, I keep, you know, records of everything. I have a folder. I think I have it. Oh, I don't have it here. Oh yeah, I have like a, you know, mm. this is all the charts for the past couple of weeks, all right here. Uh, so. Yeah, I keep that stuff close, and yeah, I mean, sometimes I just never know. So. so the big and rich show, I guess, is just front front of your mind all the time. Yeah, and it's and, and it's a you know that's that's a weird gig too because there's a a song suggestion list uh, as opposed to a set list, mm. so they could pull out any song they want, and the band knows it. So, are you having to like queue up clicks and stuff at that point? uh not really okay. i mean sometimes yeah i mean i have uh i have almost all the songs memorized like with with the tempo number so like if mm-hmm. you say oh blow my mind i'd be like oh yeah 117 or what you know or, uh, oh wow that's I that's can, a sick spidey sense you got there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so i can do that i can do that now which is actually kind of fun um uh but that's I mean, it's, i've been on that gig for like almost eight years now so it's a little yeah. A little easier to recall that um, we're actually about to uh, rehearse with a new guitar player for this gig that we have next week, actually. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of go back and <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, man. So I hope you know this stuff because we do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the guy in the hot seat. We have three songs before it's like, pull out the mix. <laughs> so, so it'll be fun. But yeah, I mean, it's uh yeah it's, it's a thing <laughs> yeah, man i love it i love 
I mean, to me, your story is like, yeah, you want to be pro level. Well, it, this is what it takes. It's not, it's not rock star, you know, all day long. Oh yeah, let's go play some music. If you're in Rolling Stones, maybe, but yeah, I'm not you, there yet. It's, it's yeah, like, you got you got a job to do, and it's man, it's, it's what I do, demanding. man. Well, it's well, what's funny is this, and it's something that I have to remind myself about, and it's like. My, my my goal in life was to play, hopefully play music for a living if I could. And I got the chance to do it. So I'm going to do everything within reason to play music on a certain level. And I've gotten to this point where I have this ability. I have this service uh, that is called playing drums and I can play drums. But my biggest service is like, I know how to run a show. Mm. You know, I can I can count on songs. I can do it in time. I don't freeze up. So I, I have this service that I can provide for people that happens to be this thing that is needed on a certain level that's, not, you know, and it, it comes with a certain amount of stress, uh, but it also comes with great rewards, which is like, you know, I get to play music for a living at, at the highest level with some of the baddest, you know, musicians out there, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not, if it's not a record, it's, you know, it's a live thing. It's like, I don't know a whole lot of crappy musicians that are like selling out arenas. And so <laughs> to get that, you know, first of all, to be that guy to get that, those phone calls is hilarious to me because like, I don't, you know, if you've met me, I'm just a dude. So I don't like, I don't walk around and be like, Oh yeah, I'm so great. I need, <laughs> I, I deserve that phone call. I get those calls. I'm like, man, I'm fucking happy. I got it. Yeah. Now I got to do the work so I can keep getting those phone calls because it only takes one time to fuck that up and people stop calling. Mm. Why? You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. and so you want to to me want to keep you want to keep that business afloat. So I I'm trying to you know, I don't want to put the pressure on myself, but I definitely it's definitely a bar where I want, I try to keep things at uh because I do want to keep getting those phone calls and even, even it being a, a, a forever gig, like the big and rich thing where it's like, Oh, you're the guy. Or if it's a thing like Cody's thing where you're seven or thing like, you know, you're seven, you're seven. Either way, you want to be on a level to where a, a, a level of professionalism where you keep getting those phone calls and you're the guy that everybody wants for that. And one of the coolest things I thought was, uh, during the show with Cody was he mentioned that he basically was like, Hey man, like we needed somebody and who are you going to call when you have this situation? He goes, the guy from Tennessee. <laughs> 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 he was like, he called Keo. He's the guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, he's, he said it and it's funny because it's as funny as that sounds. It, it, it's become a thing and it's, it's part of, what I do for a living now and it's part of my DNA and, and my stamp on music history, so to speak. Not that I'm going to be a part of music history, but you know, but <laughs> firmly, uh, firmly stamped, you know, of my, of my, of my music history and my time in Nashville is part of what I do. And, and hopefully it's, it, it can continue. I would love to keep, you know, doing this for as long as people will have me. Right on, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I feel like I'm keeping you from preparing for the next gig, so we're going <laughs> to cut it off here. You're keeping me from taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs>
that's it for this week's episode hope you enjoy that chat with keo um hopefully learn some stuff maybe some home studio gear suggestions that you hadn't considered and also um, be prepared for those gigs you never know when they're going to come and everyone have a great week and we will see you next time